to another edition of Into the Foxhole. I am Will Fox, joined as always by my brother John. John, how are you? You know, we're, we're living life here, Will. We're doing all right. Oh, we are. We're doing more than all right. We're podcasting. We are on that next level. Yeah. What, what more could you ask for? Um, I don't know. Less virus. <laughs> but besides that, besides That's neither here nor, nor there. there. Exactly. But you know what? If we didn't have the virus, we wouldn't be together. Well. Okay. And it turns out the podcast is just the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Cue outro. All right, we will Cue, see you exactly, next week. Exactly. With, uh, how to save a life in the background. Yeah. Um, John, Will, neither here nor there. What is here and there is our guest today, Kevin White. Kevin, welcome to the pod. Hey, I'm just happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It sounds like everyone is happy to be here, John. Yeah, I mean, it, it's good. It's always nice to hear as podcasters that our guests are enjoying being here. Exactly. Instead of an ad midway through the podcast, we have to take a vibe check, see how high they are. Yeah, exactly. Just see, see where it rolls on to you. Know? Exactly. And like Nathan for you style, take a blood test to make sure that you're having fun. <laughs> uh, we run a tight ship. We do run a tight ship. Kevin is, Kevin is playing off us like... Expert doubles partners. Yeah, I'm excited. He, so he excited. Knows. He already knows. He already knows. So excited. I don't even want to waste any more time. Kevin, what are we discussing on the podcast today? Uh, our main man, Forrest Gump. That's what I've been told. Hello. My name's Forrest. Forrest Gump. Would you like a chocolate? Oh, thank you. It's funny what a young man recollects. You're the same as everybody else. You are no different. Your boy's different. Are you stupid or something? Mama says stupid is as stupid does. I'm Jenny. I'm Forrest, Forrest Gump. She was my most special friend. My only friend. We was together all the time. We were like peas and carrots, Jenny and I. Run, Forrest! Hey, stupid, run! Now, you wouldn't believe it if I told you, but I can run like the wind blows. Who in the hell is that? That there's Forrest Gump, coach. Just a local idiot. I never thought it would take me anywhere. David put me on a thing called the All-America Team. Well, you get to meet the President of the United States. Congratulations. How does it feel to be an All-American? I gotta pay. <laughs> I believe he said he had to go pee. Now, maybe it's just me, but college was very confusing times. Have you ever been with a girl, Forrest? sit next to them in my home economics class all the time. Have you given any thought to your future? God, what's your sole purpose in this army? To do whatever you tell me, drill sergeant. You're a damn genius. You are going to be a general someday, go. Yes, drill sergeant! They sent me to Vietnam. Listen, you promised me something, okay? If you're ever in trouble, don't try to be brave. You just run, okay? Okay. Where are you boys from in the world? Alabama, sir. You twins? No, we are not relations. So. For some reason, what I was doing seemed to make sense to people. Forget about me! Get yourself out! You've been awarded the Medal of Honor. How come? Now, my mama's always telling me how miracles happen every day. <laughs> some people don't think so. Jenny! But they do. <laughs> you can come home with me at my house in Greenbow. I'll take care of you. Why are you so good to me? You're my girl. Paramount Pictures presents... Tom Hanks. I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. Robin Wright. Will you marry me? I'd make a good husband. 
You would, Forrest. But you won't marry me. Gary Sinise. I never thanked you for saving my life. And Sally Field. My boy Forrest is gonna get the same opportunities as everyone else. A film by Robert Zemeckis. What's my destiny, Mom? You're gonna have to figure that out for yourself. Main man, main man. Also, what you've been told, Kevin. You told us what we are going over. This, what is <laughs> Wait, this was this was your show. Exactly. If you if I yeah, if what I if you I mean, mean if what you mean by what I was told, what you told yourself, then yes. In which case, this oh. sounds like a classic split personality disorder, and that's for another podcast. Well, no, no, no. I was told you approved it, so that's that's what I was saying. Okay. Yes. That's true. Okay. So. The classic 1994 film, Forrest Gump. Kevin, do you want to give us a little bit of a background on the movie? Yeah, so it starts off with our guy Forrest. He's a, a young lad in Greenbow, Alabama. Um, he wasn't he wasn't good enough for regular school. He didn't have an IQ. He was slightly below the minimal to have. So then, uh, yeah, he struggled through school a little bit. He had his you know leg braces. He couldn't walk as well. Um, something was wrong with his back. It was a little crooked. Um, it's childhood. It's a little bit of trauma, you know. He doesn't really have a dad in the picture. He's taking a long vacation. Um, uh, let's see. He meets uh, on the school bus. He's having a tough time making friends. Like, no one seems to have any room for him to sit down, but except for our girl Jenny, who we meet early on. Um, there's a spot next to her and her forest. They start to hit it off, um, become really good friends. Um, let's see. He's faced some bullies. Um, that's when Jenny drops the iconic line, run, forest, run. Ah, I've, I've heard that him. one before. Off-repeated, yeah, run, yeah. forest, run. Throwing rocks. And when he's running, you know, you've seen the scene. He breaks out of those leg braces. He turns out he's faster than a speeding gun. Um, he runs through a football practice. At one of the at, uh, Later on, the second time he's running, he runs through a football practice, discovers the coach, discovers he's an unreal player, takes his talent to Tuscaloosa, where... Uh, He's a star. He, uh, he, in fact, was so good at football, he got to uh, something called the All-American Team, where he uh, meets our president, former President Kennedy. Um, he drinks a little too much Mountain Dew there, as we've, uh, we've <laughs> seen there. Was it Mountain there. Dew? No, I believe it was Coca-Cola. Or not Mountain Dew, Dr. Pepper. Or Dr. Pepper. 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 Yeah, we've, all, we've all been there. We've all drank yeah. a little too much. We've all, we've all all. Dr. Pepper Nights. Oh. Again, that's a that's a that's a this is a topic for a separate podcast. But Dr. Pepper, the Superior Cola. Oh, that is that's that's a take. That's that a take. Is, that is a that is a. But I don't want to derail the podcast with my steamy take. Kevin, go on. Yeah. So after uh, he meets Kennedy, um, let's see what's he have? He uh, he's back in college. He visited Jenny's college. He uh, catches up with her a little bit there. Sees boobs for the first time, which is. He seems a little stunned, stunned yeah. by it. It's the first time he's done with the girl since his home economics class. <laughs> um, uh, then graduates, right at graduation, he's swamped by an army recruiter. Uh, Forrest doesn't know any better than to join the army. Um, mm-hmm. And then during his uh, boot camp, he meets a, he has a similar bus incident where uh, no, one, no one seems to have room for him to sit down except for uh, his future best friend, Bubba. 
Um, as we know from famous Bubba Gump Shrimp, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he goes through training. Uh, he's claimed to have had an IQ of 160 when he puts that gum together super fast. You know, he's one of the best, the best recruits in the class. And then before he, before he, uh, goes off, he runs the Jenny one more time. Um, Jenny's performing at a little risque, little risque club bar. She's singing some, uh, some Bobby Dylan without any clothes on. And uh, there's a little incident where people start harassing Jenny during her show and Forrest gets into a little altercation. And after that, when Jenny's outside, she's talking to Forrest and Forrest reveals they sent him to Vietnam. Um, and then, so uh, Forrest goes to Vietnam. He, uh, so that's where he meets the famous Lieutenant Dan. Um, well, he had legs. And then, <laughs> We'll get to that. Wait, um, so are you saying that Lieutenant Dan like, loses his legs? What? No, no, no. I'm just saying he has legs. <laughs> the normal thing we yeah. all say when we meet someone yeah. and describe someone, we're like, oh, yeah, that guy, uh, that guy Jim, who, as we all know, has legs. Because that's a normal way to describe legs. someone. <laughs> well, anyways, yeah. You know, it's. It's raining for a long time, actually. Um, Lieutenant Dan expressed the importance of socks. So socks is something you should always be having. Um, change them. You don't want to get your feet infected. Uh, Kevin, I think I think that is something that we learned from our, our gym class teacher, sophomore year of high school, Rob Etheridge. If there's one thing he stressed to us, it was in survival situations. It's layers, layers, and layers. And I think that goes with socks as well. Head to toes. Yes. Most important layer, actually. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, well, he's uh, with Bubba. He makes an agreement that uh, Bubba's going to be a shrimp boat captain. Force will be the first mate. Um, and then once it stops raining, um, that's when trouble comes along. Um, there's rain that stops raining. The Vietnam Vietnam Army seems to ambush them. And uh, Forrest, he was told by Jenny, don't be a hero, just run. So Forrest, he decides... To do a little bit of both, actually. So, Forrest, he saves a bunch of lives. He uh, saves Lieutenant Dan, even though Lieutenant Dan wanted to die out there because everyone in his family before him had fought in wars and died. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to be part of that legacy. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. He drops them off. Uh, he goes to save his good friend Bubba. Uh, bring Bubba back to where all the other people are. And then when Forrest is running... All the way back to bring, well, Forrest is bringing Bubba back. Something jumps up and bites Forrest in the buttocks, which I don't know what, what it could have been. Something jumped up and bit him. Nobody knows. Um, and then right there, when they sit down, his good friend Bubba dies in his arms. And then since Forrest had this horrible buttocks injury, um, he goes to the hospital with Lieutenant Bailey. He's, he's right next, right next, right in the bed next to him, actually. Um, the best part about this uh, this rehab center, this hospital, is that they had all the ice cream you could eat. So, um, so Forrest is eating ice cream. That's when he discovers the magic of ping pong, table tennis, however you call it. Um, and then he starts doing his little world tour. But before that, that's when uh, he was talking with Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan says, well, you're a shrimp boat captain. I'll be your first mate. And so we'll get to that after this ping pong. So Forrest... Travels the world being a ping pong player. He was one of the first Americans to go to China since who knows how long. Um, yeah, he's world-class domination. Um, he gets back. 
um, well, see, after his ping pong tour, he was talking with uh, who's talking to John John Lennon. Yeah, on a late night talk show, he was talking to Johnny Lennon. Um, so he he like he made it big. He was pretty famous. Purple Heart ping pong player. That's when he gets after that he gets his honorable discharge from the army. Um, that's when he decides to start his shrimp boat adventure. <laughs> and then, what, right after he buys the shrimp boat, what do you know? Lieutenant Dan, a man of his words, uh, without legs, he doesn't have legs anymore. Um, that's important. Um, yeah, after the shrimp boat, they start a shrimp boat, and then there's a horrible hurricane storm wipes out every other shrimp boat except for. Uh, Forced uh, Lieutenant Dan's, and then they find found this company Bubblegum Shrimp, and then yeah, they have very successful company. Forrest gets some shares in a fruit company, like Apple, some fruit company. Um, turns out to do really well. Forrest, pretty much yeah, self made millionaire at this point. Um, what let's do? He decides to uh, goes for a little run. <laughs> it was, it's a long run. Um, people, people really seem to like it. People are joining him. He's going coast to coast, east to west. Um, but one thing missing in his life is, is uh, Jenny, his uh, partner. They they get together one scandal, or for not, it wasn't just one scandal. It was one little romantic affair. And uh, you know, after his running force goes back to. Uh, see Jenny um, and the whole movie he's been waiting at a bus stop and pretty much should M. Night, uh, I thought M. Night Shyamalan was directing when there was this whole twist and it turns out Force didn't even need to take a bus <laughs> so, it's just three or four blocks that so way. he was just sit, he was just sitting at this bus stop for, for nothing yeah the 405 he, you know, he didn't need to take that he could have just walked he walks to Jenny's house he gets inside and it turns out for or Jenny has a kid whose name is also Forrest. Big coincidence there. Um, and uh, Jenny reveals to Forrest that uh, the Forrest was named after his daddy. And Forrest is a little thrown off. They, like he has a daddy named Forrest too. It turns out Forrest was his daddy um, after that little affair. Another twist. Um, yeah, yeah. It turns out Forrest Gump has a Forrest Gump Jr. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was a big M. Night Shyamalan twist. But, uh, yeah. So, and then Jenny reveals to Forrest that she has a little disease. They don't know what it is at that point. Um, but just looking back at it, we know it was uh, HIV, AIDS. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, sadly, Jenny passes. But Forrest and Forrest Jr., who they're living at a Forrest's childhood home. And uh, Jenny turns into a bird. She's flying far, far away, like she's always wanted. And, uh, yeah, little Forrest is going to school. And there's Forrest and Forrest Jr. just live a happy life together. That's, uh, that's a good rundown, I think. I don't know. Let me know if I missed anything in this movie rundown, but I think it was pretty good. Might I say encyclopedic, Kevin? We had you hit all the big points in the movie, and the best part is you hit all the big points, but there's so, still so much more for us to uh, dive into. So much more. Agree? I, would, oh, I would completely agree. I'm, I'm trying to think of the things that you could have possibly missed, but I think we, at the moment, we'll, we'll dive in deeper, but exactly. we'll, get to, we'll get to talk about a little bit more. Get that cap on, into the Speedo, yeah. assume oh, position, yeah. we're diving in. 
and then obviously, obviously, this movie, I think it's important, as most people know, it's star Forrest is Tom Hanks. And Tom the whole Hanks, time? Not the whole time. As a kid, he is oh, not, okay. he's not yeah. Tom Hanks. Cool. He, he does, he ends up becoming Tom Hanks in his college years, I believe. Yes. And um, just what a, what a performance by Tom Hanks. Forrest Gump, probably one of the most loved characters in, in movie in recent history uh, that, that I can think of. I don't know if you guys have anybody else that would be possibly more loved than Forrest Gump. Rocky. Rocky. Rocky's up there. Rocky's It's a little different, though. I, mean, I guess Rocky's just like... Episode 65 of the podcast, but... Yeah, yeah, obviously, obviously, but... He's, he's, the thing is, Rocky's only loved in the United States. I guess Forrest is probably only loved in the United States as well. Yeah. Well, he was a diplomat. He was a diplomat. The Chinese people liked him, too, when he was playing ping pong. Also, like that. Also, that scene of uh, that scene of when uh, the Russians re- are clapping for Rocky. That that that's true. You, I don't think it would that would have actually happened. I, I'll be honest. But it did in the fourth <laughs> movie. <laughs> like, but you I'm saying I don't think the Russians that watched that movie clapped. I don't want to derail your take, John. So yes, Forrest Gump very beloved. Yeah, and then and then as well as his leading lady, Robin Wright, puts in also. Wonderful performance. Robin Wright is seen in the Princess Diary, or what's it? No, the Princess Bride. Princess Bride, not the John. Princess Diary. Oh, yeah. The Princess Bride is when she's at her Robin Wright. Yeah. <laughs> a classic take on the show, but yes, that is Robin Wright at her most Robin, Robin Wright. Wright. But uh, yeah, just I, you guys, I just think it's very hard to dislike Forrest Gump after watching this movie. Uh, d- yes, yeah, I agree. In, in a word, yes. I think that uh, it's remarkable the impact of like a lasting character, which you say you could say it's incredible for what a career Tom Hanks has. And we'll talk about the Tom Hanks run that he's mm-hmm. on in the middle of this movie. Uh, but for all the iconic roles Tom Hanks has, you could say this is his most iconic. Can't disagree with that. Yeah, I would. It's, it's, I mean, this, you could maybe say Saving Private Ryan. But Saving Private Ryan. Castaway also iconic. Castaway, yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, Castaway. Um, sleeping, sleepless in Seattle. You could you could make an argument for. Yeah, but his Meg Ryan movies they just merge into one. It's yeah. Sleepless in Seattle. You've got, you've got, got Mail and Joe versus the Volcano, obviously. Um, so those kind of merge into one. So I don't think of those as iconic. If I would say there's one other role that is an iconically uh, Tom Hanks role, uh, it's. Woody in Toy Story. Yeah. Or he's... He is yeah, Woody. he's Woody. He's Woody. Tim Allen is Buzz. He's Woody. I always get that confused. Call him um, the Princess Pride, the Princess Diaries, yeah. and then about to say that that Woody is not played <laughs> by Tom Hanks. John, step up your game yeah, here. I'm, I'm Kevin clearly right is on his game right now, as as evidenced by that Einsteinian recall of, of, the, of the entire okay. plot of Forrest Gump. But, again... Okay. Uh, the one thing I would say is that for modern, for more younger viewers, you could argue that uh, Captain uh, Phillips is is. Oh uh, well, yeah. Cool. Sure, sure, and also. What about uh, Kira the Hudson? Oh, Sully. Yeah, Captain Sully. Captain Sully, you could say that as well. You could say that. I was, I would argue more for Captain Phillips. I'm going to say, I feel, I mean, because who has? I haven't seen, seen Sully. You haven't seen? I saw. I've seen it either. So I've not seen okay, it. Okay, so so I'll take my Captain Phillips victory right there. But by default, by default. <laughs> I, but I have seen Sully, and so it's a good movie. Very interesting. Um, it's got Two Face from Dark Knight in it. I forget his name as the actor though. But uh, Harvey Dent. 
can we trust him? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Harvey Dent, the actor. Uh, is that Scott Bakula? Something like that. I think it's Scott Bakula. I'll get on the research yeah, part research if you want to continue. But, uh, no, I mean, I just think Captain Phillips, obviously you have the iconic scene of Captain Phillips and I'm the captain now. I think that's ingrained in everybody's brains, at least at this right, point. And I don't think you really have it Sony. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. I certainly don't know of an iconic quote like that. Um, so I guess, yeah, sure. If we're talking about late 2000s, early 2000s, 10 roles, mm-hmm. I guess you could call that the... Uh, you could call that his most iconic role, what people might kind of define him with. Um, it's Aaron Eckhart is who plays Harvey Dent. Aaron Eckhart. Aaron okay. Eckhart. I said Scott Bakula. Scott Bakula kind of looks like yeah, him. Yeah, a little bit. Also, John, go to the Aaron Eckhart Wikipedia page right now. Kevin, also, if you're uh, near a screen or something like that, go to the Aaron Eckhart Wikipedia page and look at his photo. Yes. Is that A.A. Ron? A.A. Ron, yeah. Oh, yeah, that photo is not doing him justice. It does not look like he has eyebrows in this photo. It looks I like be it, he looks like a Madame Tussauds version of himself. Yeah, no, it's he's definitely oh. been. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know. You see that, Kevin? Is anybody also seeing yeah, that I'm his alma mater was Brigham Young University, Hawaii? Did you know that was a thing? <laughs> Aaron Eckhart, we have slots open on the podcast <laughs> if you want to talk about. We this. have questions. We have questions, <laughs> like, and a lot of time. <laughs> Um, this man has lived a life. Okay, I could talk about Aaron Eckhart all day looking yeah. at this Wikipedia page, but I mean, I but, think I'll, I'll go back. Again, so, I'm going to toss out the line, reel or back in, back to Forrest good. Gump. Kevin, you nominated this to talk about on the podcast. Can you talk about why, well, why you nominated this, why this might resonate to you, and yeah, uh, go go into that, what this movie means to you. Um, so it's definitely my favorite movie of all time. I used to watch it every night before bed. I've probably seen this movie, well, maybe a hundred times, not even exaggerating. Um, but I don't know. I just, I feel like I just, res- I just resonated with, uh, Forrest and his character. And I just, it's a long enough movie where I, like, you could just watch part by part and it feels like you're watching a whole different film, you know? Um, but I, yeah, I just really like the character development. I liked the plot. Like, I just did this movie that, uh, I don't know, nostalgia, I guess. The first time I watched it was in seventh grade, I believe. And I've been watching it ever since. And I don't know, it's just a great film. Great yeah. film. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I, I like the take, which, like, you can put this on in different parts of the movie and still, like, catch on and watch it as a movie. Because I don't think I ever I saw the beginning of this movie. To like eighth grade, because you always catch it on big like, TNT classic, big TNT, oh, TBS, yeah. AMC will show it. AMC sometimes. will show like, it a lot. Like, yeah, this is a, this is a big movie that you, you're scrolling through the channels, you got nothing on, and you see Forrest Gump, you're like, throw on Forrest Gump. Yeah, I'll make it until the ping pong scene. Yeah, it's, I the, like the one of the traits of a rewatchable movie is the idea that. If you see it on TV and you see it a certain part, you're like, oh, I have to make it to this part. I have to make it to the scene or stuff like that. Um, and so I, I can't remember what movie I was talking about. Were we watching a movie like this a couple of days ago? We were watching The Hangover with yeah. our dad, uh, which is another movie where you like watch it. You're like, oh, I can make it until the cop scene or I can make it till Tyson makes an appearance. So um, Forrest Gump is definitely in that kind of same conversation, that same vein. Absolutely, I agree with that. I remember the first time I actually watched it, it was on TNT. 
um, it was actually, I didn't see it chimed in at the Vietnam part. And I just got like a little, a little brief fill on what was going on. And right after I finished that, I went and downloaded it in iTunes and watched it from the beginning. So wow. that's how it really resonated with me. Dang, it really, it really caught your attention. That that, that works. It's pretty T- impressive. It worked. <laughs> TNT, shout out to you. I'll go and give it to him on this one. Shout out Turner. Exactly. Yeah. Turner, one of, one of the sponsors of the podcast this week, Ted Turner. <laughs> Ted Turner. Not even Turner Networks, just Ted Turner. Ted Turner. We're big Ted Turner. He wants to get the name out. He's not even running for president or anything. He just wants his name out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's – I'm trying to think of one of the first time I watched it. But, like, same experience to you as, as both of you guys. It's classic. It's a television movie that's definitely caught steam as, you know, it's been on tel- – it was always – it was a blockbuster when it was released, mm-hmm. always been in the cultural consciousness, but still one that always has stayed in the cultural consciousness because of its standing as a TV movie. And like you said, Kevin, the different individual movies within the movie that, like, you get – kind of transported to different times in forest life that makes it all the more watchable, which is, you know, I can't wait until we get to favorite scenes. Cause this might be the movie. I mean, we've only reviewed a couple so far, but this might be the toughest to pick favorite scene just cause there are so many. Yeah. You definitely, I mean, well, it's like you start out in, oh, I forget. I don't, I don't know. I don't have the timeline up, but what's you start out Around Elvis time, that that's how I do it, and then you end up. Oh, we're talking years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So people, the 50s, people, the people forget. The 50s. People forget. Force invented the stinky leg. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. He's credited with that. Just like Abraham Lincoln invented the choke slam. Look it up, listeners. Stay engaged. Stay woke. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, our 16th president, invented the choke slam. Yes, the the Undertaker patented wrestling move that is that has been a part of wrestling sports entertainment sports entertainment history abraham lincoln invented it uh but yes just like that apocryphal story uh he invented the stanky leg he invented the stanky leg one of the one of the, the stanky leg one of the one of the one of the great one of the great moments in rock history and 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 dancing history mm-hmm. I was really disappointed. I was hoping he would also invent the Dougie, but unfortunately, that uh, yeah, that didn't catch. That him. wasn't him. <laughs> that, that, that's John Wall. <laughs> John Wall invented the Dougie. Now he invented the, the John, John Wall, <laughs> which is about the same time, I believe, as the Dougie. Exactly, similar, 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 similar points. But yeah, so you have this movie. I mean, you start out fifties, and then you literally just transcend decade after decade with it. President and, after president. President after president. is seen with with. Do you have a scene with no. every president? I mean, you start with Kennedy. Uh, I think starting from Kennedy, I mean. Kennedy, oh, he, Lyndon. He, he, uh, he, he snitched on Nixon for the Watergate thing. You can't forget yeah. about that. And he also, he meets Nixon, too. Wow. Yeah. He, he, was staying at the, he was staying at the Watergate Hotel. Yeah, Nixon invited him. They're making a lot of noise out there. <laughs> they must have bust a fuse box or something, you know? <laughs> there are going to be a lot of bad Southern accents on the podcast, <laughs> so we're just, we're just going to get that out there right now. And I think it's, I think it is kind of fun seeing Forrest through the years. It is kind of the idea that America changes, Forrest really doesn't, which I think, I mean, mm-hmm. that statement in and of itself I think is interesting to debate. Do you think Forrest changes throughout the film? I'll start this. Kevin, why don't you start us off on this one? I'd like to hear Kevin. The, um, I mean, obviously he grows into a man. I think his morals stay the same. He's always he's always a down-to-earth guy. He's a simple man. Like, I don't know. He's, he's, I think his morals stay the same. Obviously he learns new skills. He learns football. He learns being in the Army, like running and and then all that stuff, but ping pong, you know. But 
Yeah, I think he's still the same simple force. He's known as being a simple man, a man of few traits, but uh, many skills, I guess. But kind of an oxymoron, but in a way, that's the perfect way to describe it. Yeah, you go. Oh, <laughs> John, John Classic doesn't have anything to say, so just points immediately. I can talk. I mean, I, I agree. You know, it's funny, because, you know, Kevin said he's a simple man. That's not the famous Leonard Skinner song in this movie, you know? You know, they, <laughs> they don't have simple man, they yeah. have uh, Freebird, you know? But, I mean, uh, but, yeah, I'd agree. I think ever since he's young, his, his mother, Sally Fields, wonderful, but uh, she instills in him certain values and stuff like that, and I think he's a person that keeps that with him, and you see that throughout his film, and while he grows in some ways... Like, the amount of fame or money that he gets really doesn't change him. He really stays the same regardless. And it's really, you just put, like Will said, you put force in the era. The era doesn't get put into force, I think. I'm sorry, listeners. I'm just trying to imagine the idea of an era getting put into force. I understand the sentiment. Um, And I, I think I agree with that. I think that, I think, Kevin, I think your point initially was right. He grows, so he... I think he fulfills himself, so in that way, he definitely does change, but it's more of just becoming the most of himself rather than these events around him, these events that are changing what seems like everyone around him. It seems like every and Forrest is one of those interesting characters where it seems like everything around Forrest Gump, uh, or everyone around Forrest Gump, is changed by their surroundings or by their environment. Uh, if you look at Jenny, you look at Lieutenant Dan, you look at some other third character I can't remember. <laughs> um, but, well, you look at the presidents too. You look yeah. at you look at everything. Everything the environment is changing. Everyone around them, except for Forrest. So Forrest kind of acts as that, almost acts like that perfect Nick Carraway kind of character where he doesn't res- pass judgment on what he's seeing. He because he isn't changed by the environment. He just. It, it comes back to you as he sees it and stuff like that. And I think the idea of him being a simple but moral person as he sees it generally is reliable, which I think is an interesting kind of thing to talk about. I haven't read the book personally, uh, which the movie is actually based on a book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I assume that one of the things with it being narrated by Forrest is that you can take Forrest as a reliable narrator because of his morals and his, I, guess, I mean, of his, his simplistic nature, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. I think that's a that's a good way to put it. And you know, I think that's that's what it goes back to. Talks about as we talked about earlier, Forrest being such a lovable character. I mean, it's just like he doesn't ever give you a time where you're like don't like him. And like, while that doesn't work in all films, in this one, it it, it really does in getting the likability of Forrest. And it is a fine line to play when you throw in someone who already is a superstar like Tom Hanks into this movie and say. All right, you have to play someone who, you know, quasi mentally ill. You have to play someone like this and essentially take on his affectations, play them without seeming caricatured or hackneyed, and also become the most likable character in uh, film history. Uh, here you go, Tom. <laughs> so I think, so Kevin, I mean, I, I think that's the incredible thing is that Tom Hanks takes a role that can be looked at with insane cynicism and he all he does is inject life into it and makes it seem like you say likable and i think that i think that kind of is underrated he even though he has been lauded for this task it's kind of underrated how the public could have definitely turned on this another way absolutely i would agree but i think he just looked at 
Yeah, it's just one of the most. I think he's someone you can admire. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't. He doesn't. He just sticks true to his values. He sticks true to what he knows. That's all. Again, simple. And 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 the thing that I the thing that I like about that kind of description is that's not it's not simple in a in a pejorative sense or of any way. It it is simple in that uh, kind of a on the straight and narrow, reliable, and I, that's like one of his best qualities. Would you say, John? Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. And I think you got you got to <laughs> give like you were talking. You got to get you got to clap your hands for Tom Hanks on this one because also when you look at when this film was dropped, there has not been a better year in cinema since 1994. That's a hot take. I've heard a lot of people talk about 1999 as a great uh, year in cinema, uh, which we can talk about when we're talking about a 1995 film or 1999 film. But you look at the trio up for Best Picture, Hallowed Best Picture, uh, Oscar, Academy Awards, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, season, Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction. That's the holy triumvir right there in terms of going for not only critical acclaim, but also widespread appeal and like widespread uh, commercial yeah. acclaim. I mean, those are all films that still today people talk about, people watch. Those are Shawshank is probably one of the most classic AMC films that you watch on television, I would say. Yes. Along with Pulp Fiction also is classic AMC film. But uh, you also have Four Weddings and a Funeral, arguably one of the greatest rom-coms of all time. You have The Quiz Show, which stars Rolf Fiends, and then you also have Little, I mean, these lesser-known movies, which normally years would be, you know, best picture winners. Woody Allen bolted over Broadway, but it's also just it's crazy to see that Tom Hanks winning best actor as Forrest Gump with yeah. Forrest Gump just absolutely pretty much sweeping the 67th Academy Awards. I mean, Forrest Gump, best picture, best director, best actor. Uh, it goes on and on, on and on. I, I mean best screenplay based on published material, which is a little bit of a cop-out because, I mean... Whatever. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we, are, we, I mean, we are flex here for Scum. Yeah, I mean, he beat, he beat out Morgan Freeman and Shawshank, Travolta and Pulp Fiction. Like, it's, I mean, it's just a phenomenal year for film. And uh, I'll, po- I'll pose this question to you two. All years. Uh, all years. Um, so, Forrest Gump was the second highest grossing film in 1994. Do you know what the first one was? Kevin? Well, I know the Santa Claus starring Tim Allen came out in 1994. <laughs> uh, the critically um, acclaimed uh, Christmas There's also movie. The Crossover, Mask also you know. came out in 1994. Um, I'm going to go with the Santa Claus. The Santa Claus? Bold, bold guess, Will. Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. Another film coming out in 1994. But no, it was The Lion King, actually. Wow. Yes, yes, you guys didn't know that. <laughs> wow, but you've been, yeah. Uh, the the classic wow. film, which... I, I I've never I, seen it. This is crazy. You, you've never, Wait, I, you've you've never, never seen, seen The Lion King? King? <laughs> nope. Never seen Lion King 1, 1.5, one 2. I haven't seen any of it. I feel kind of bad, but it's facts. Again, I feel, wow. I, I, at the risk of wanting to stop this podcast uh, so that Kevin can watch The Lion King, uh, we will trek onward I, I think i don't i don't think it's like it's not like it's like such a phenomenal movie that you're missing i just feel like as us kids growing up in like the late like 20th century early 21st century like it just seems like that was kind of an intersection of like stuff we would have watched that's why it seems shocking kevin not 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 a personal attack on your character <laughs> yeah i mean 
Yeah, I, just, I just think maybe we were you're a little older. Maybe we were born in different times. So. Yeah, sure, but whatever. <laughs> okay, yeah, but I, it's, it's honestly funny because growing up as kids, I would say I've seen Lion King, Lion King, Lion King, Lion King one and a half, like ten times as many times I've seen the actual Lion King because because we had it on DVD, DVD. and it was a classic. Fox Family Road Trip movie. Kids nowadays will not understand why you watched a movie so often just because you had it on tape or DVD. Now in the era of streaming when you can really, you know, you can bring any movie up on demand essentially for no extra cost to your family. Yeah. And then, and then like, I mean, because like, like, yeah, I think you hit a really good point. Like on Netflix, I don't think there's like any movie that like I've watched first on Netflix and then watched it multiple times. Like I don't think there I don't yeah. think there's one, and that that just doesn't happen. Uh, like Kevin, you said, even with Forrest Gump, you you downloaded it out from like iTunes, and you had it on your phone yeah. or on your iPad, and you watched it all the time. Yeah, Netflix movie I've watched a repeat. I've watched. I think the only one I can say may have been like Insidious. I remember grades when we went through Ooh. phase where we just watched Insidious over and over on Netflix. Insidious is a great film. One of the best horror films of the past twenty years. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd agree with that. It, it scared me. <laughs> it's it scared the socks off of me. I mean, that it's a very scary villain or evil demon thing. Yes, you know, Darth Maul meets a goat. Like it, it, it's it's scary. Also, some great just just some great jump scare scenes. Oh, phenomenal. like some classic just good jump scare scenes, which is like obviously it's kind of easy for a film to do well, but uh, even when they're done well, it's still fun to just still fun to look at. I do think it does. Yeah, the I- iconic scary mu- scary music, iconic. Tip through oh. through the tulips. Tip tip through through the tulips by uh, Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim by yeah. Tiny Tim on the ukulele. Like <laughs> like how much like. Tim, you gotta give a shout out to Tiny Tim for making the ukulele creepy. Who who, who would have thought, you know? The nightlight's going on tonight, guys. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, remember it, Insidious. No, yeah, it's definitely a good combination of jump scares, but it also has creepy scenes, too. It also just has creepy, like, good, good suspense. Well, good suspense built up yeah. throughout. And, like, the plot is... The plot, like I said, it, it, there's enough there where, it, like I said, the suspense builds, but it's not nonsensical or too convoluted. It's mm-hmm. generally, yeah, it's it, it's good. Just great, a good good horror movie. And I think Kevin Kevin hit it on the nose with the with this the the music in the background. You know, this I think what a lot of horror movies do now is they sort of took the insidious method of you get these high pitched violins. And stuff like that to like imitate the screeching noise, you know. You know, shout out Shinsuke Nakamura wherever you are right now. But I mean, it's 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 phenomenal. Yeah, it's, it's like to make that creepy noise to like get you like it's getting your hairs on your back standing up. But I mean, let me do the classic will to reel it back into Forrest Gump and connect the soundtrack. Forrest Gump soundtrack, probably one of the most iconic parts of the of the movie. I mean, agree. Totally. Run it on empty. What'd you say? Run, oh, run it on empty. Run, run it on empty. empty. I think they you feature three different door songs. Or maybe <laughs> I think let's let's count up the door songs here. Um, we have well, they have a lot of door songs in the movies. I don't see it in the soundtrack. So they have they have a total of five door songs. They have one of the soundtracks or during the movie. Soul Kitchen, Hello, I Love You, People Are Strange, Love Which Her Madly, and The End. Pretty, yes. Yeah, Love Her Madly, People Are Strange, Soul Kitchen, Hello, I Love You, Break On Through to the Other Side. Break On Through, okay, gotcha. It's, I mean, 
you have to, I think that this really, because I mean, nowadays we have Guardians of the Galaxy. I think this was really like one of the first times where like, like the soundtrack, or maybe there was before this, but I think for this era, that soundtrack, I mean, it reached number two on the Billboard uh, 200 albums, the chart. Like, well, it's, it's hit city. I mean, it's hit city. Yeah, exactly. I, think it's, I think the one thing is, I like, I think that, I guess one criticism you could say about uh, Forrest Gump is that uh, they make, it makes the easy and right decision at a lot of aspects of the movie, in ter- just in terms of like, a like casting choices, be and just because it's the easy and the good and the easy decision doesn't mean that's not the right one. It's not the best decision. Mm-hmm. Like, but I think also looking at the soundtrack, you have they are in a unique position where essentially you're going through decade to decade, and part of the part of the crux of the film is trying to capture Forrest at these different points of time. So mm-hmm. one of the ways to kind of make that feel that those scenes feel more full is to just just pick music that's very indicative of the time. So it's, it was kind of tough for them to mess up. You just got to pick iconic songs, and that's what they did. And that's why I think the, the soundtrack is very iconic. And I agree. I think the best easy decision that was made in the movie on the soundtrack was playing uh, John Fogarty and Creed's Clearwater Revival's uh, Fortunate Son mm-hmm. uh, when they go to Vietnam. That's pr- the most probably cliche Vietnam song, but I think it fit perfectly in the movie. Exactly. Even though it was the easiest easiest decision you could make to play, when you think Vietnam, you think Fortune is up. I cream clear water about. Exactly, and uh, and also in their in, in in this movie's defense, it is 1994. I feel like a lot of this stuff. I feel like they weren't cliches until after it happened in Forrest Gump at some mm-hmm. point. You know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're definitely. That's a good point. I mean, you could definitely probably find like past movies that have these songs. But I mean, I just think, like, like you said, when you have a movie that spans, like, that during the movie is supposed to span forty years. Yeah. One effective way to do that is you throw out through the songs. Hits. You throw out the hits. You start out with Hound Dog, and you end with Against the Wind by Bob Seger and the Silver, Silver Bullet, Bullet Band. Band. Wow, good song. <laughs> good song. Still running. <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, it's you could. I think you, you definitely hit it. I mean, it's a little easier, and I think, but I just still think it does a really good job of setting you in the mood for what it's doing. Like, they they just do a good job of placing the songs. Like, honestly, I think you made a good point. They put the songs in the cliche moments, but I think it sort of became cliche after this. You know? Forrest Gump is like an old, cozy sweater. Maybe yeah. you don't want to necessarily go outside and hit the hip clubs with it but it always makes you feel good when you put it on and i think that's like a good analogy for forrest gump and stuff like that and in kind of a post cynicism world that we live in like critical takes and snarky takes and sarcasm is very very sarcasm irony these all these things are very in vogue in terms of looking critically at pieces it's very easy to look at forrest gump with cynicism Mm -hmm. Uh, i think it's a very i think it's such a i think it's such a lukewarm take to kind of hate on forrest gump that at this point the hot take is almost saying forrest gump is like incredible and stuff like that but it is just it is i mean you put it on you put the movie on you hear the soundtrack you watch forest run cross country you're just like damn okay like i love it <laughs> interesting thing i've heard this argument being made a couple times some would say forest grump greatest running movie of all time discuss what are some other good running movies yeah. what's up with chariots of fire Chariots of I've never seen Chariots of Fire. Oh, well. Never seen Chariots of Fire. Okay, yeah. well, Char- Chariots, Chariots of Fire. Fire. I've heard I've heard good things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those movies. That, it's um, on the list. Chariots of Fire. There's the movie about Steve 
Prefontaine called Pre, but that's just like a strictly running movie. There's a movie with there's a movie starring entirely sprinters in Cool Runnings, but that's a, that's a that's a bobsled movie. Greatest bobsled movie of all time. Yeah, I, I don't think you're gonna find much uh, find much competition yeah, that, there for a, greatest. That's greatest about bobsled. the coldest take you can get. Right yeah, it's there. greatest bobsled movie of all time. Yeah, I'm I'm really trying to find. I think lip, the only like argument, I guess you could say unbroken. Is kind oh, of Unbroken. Yeah, Unbroken is very much a running movie. It is. I've, I've only seen parts of it, and they, they weren't running in that part. He was being tortured by uh, by people, so, you know. Yeah. Uh, you could say, this is, you want to hear hot takes, running, one of the greatest running movies of all time, Ray, because he's running from his past, man. Oh. Ray. Oh. He's running from his past, <laughs> watching his brother drown. With Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. Yeah. We're getting deep on the pod. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He is running. Prop. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought I, I, like, I guess he is running this past, but. Uh, I don't get it. I mean, like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I don't. <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, I, I, I like that. I think that's like, that's kind of a cool take. Is the, the Forrest Gump greatest running movie of all time. Because I think we can talk about the running scene for a while. And the running scene, I do think they montage. Like, it's. Running on Empty is there. Go Your Own Way is playing. I'm trying to think of what else, what other songs. On the Road Again. On the Road Again. Against the Wind. (laughs) Still running against the wind. Yeah, that's just such a... That was that is a that is another classic scene, or I should say, part of the movie where that could easily take that movie into just completely absurd, cliched levels and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it is just because of I don't know what it is, but. Because of the warmth of that scene, it just it keeps me away from cynicism. I got I got two words for you. Yeah, Tom Hanks. That's Tom Hanks. That's exactly. Which let's talk about this. Do you think it's the writing of the movie that keeps it so fresh and warm, or do you think it's Tom Hanks' performance? Well, that's tough. I don't ask. I don't ask easy questions. I don't know. I feel like I feel like Tom Hanks as like as an actor is always just like. I don't know. Like he's just such a like a warm character. Always, he's always playing like someone you can trust, and someone like I don't know. He's just like a welcoming character. And I feel like if it was someone else playing Forrest Gump, and even with the same writing, I don't even know if it would be the same. You know? Yeah, I would have the same. Would have the same warmth. Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't. I don't think any of us have read the book, and I think that. Probably would have helped in this a little bit because that would have, we would have like, distinguished the yeah exactly like yeah. the writing between the character. But I do think it's I, I got I agree with Kevin. I think obviously the right. I don't think it's not. I'm not trying to slight the writing in any way, but I think you can't really go wrong with Tom Hanks in that role. He's just he's got a lovable face. He he is. I mean, he's one of the most. I mean, loved actor. If not, he's probably like. I mean, I've heard the take that The Rock is our Beyonce. Not really. I think I think Tom Hanks is our Beyonce. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're not about to slander The Rock. On oh, this I wouldn't. Podcast. I wouldn't dare. I mean, I guess you could say that The Rock is Beyonce in in reference that like. It depends on how how and what esteem you hold yeah. Beyonce's music. Yeah. See, I don't hold it in esteem. So, so then you should give it The Rock. So then it's The Rock. But if you hold. Highest, if you hold 
Beyonce in high talent esteem than it'd be Forrest if or than it'd be Tom if you don't think she's that talented. The rock, the rock. Yeah, uh, that's like the you see in the South Park episode with the um, the Xbox PS4 wars and the Game of Thrones theme. Oh yeah, that's a classic. It's a classic one, but one of the things is uh, they, as like a diversion, uh, the South Park kids they like set up a wedding called the Red Robin Wedding, which is supposed <laughs> to make fun of the Red Wedding. Yeah. And at the Red Robin Wedding, it's uh, Tom Hanks is marrying Beyonce, <laughs> and Mr. Marsh like kind of understands that when these things happen, like everyone that you like gets killed off, which yeah. is you know like the Game of Thrones thing. Yeah, Sorry for Game of Thrones fans. Spoilers. <laughs> the Red Wedding happens. <laughs> Anyways. So it's the Red Robin wedding, and Mr. Marsh hears about Beyonce and Tom Hanks getting married, and it just cuts to him. Oh no, Tom Hanks, Beyonce, everyone really likes them. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll slander Beyonce. Like, like not in a, not in a mean way or anything. We I might lose that. listeners, but honestly, well, like I don't mean ashes of slander. I mean, I will. I, I I'm very much indifferent. I am against the hype. I'm against the hype, I will say. Yeah, which is like, I mean, if someone, that's the thing, if someone came out slandering The Rock against me, I would kind of be like, yeah, yeah but I yeah. love him. <laughs> like, 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 that's true. I feel like if I were to attack Beyonce, or if I were to say Beyonce isn't that great, I would get mauled by people that are on that team. Like, yeah. They would not be a fan. Whether if somebody came up to me like, The Rock isn't that good an actor, I'd be like, Fine. Yeah, you're right. I'm not. <laughs> Kevin, are you about to go up to bat for the Tooth Fairy? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> haven't made... seen that one in a minute. <laughs> yeah. You don't get me started on the, the Tooth, tooth fairy. fairy, aka the Game Plan Two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I could have sworn they were the same film. <laughs> like, yeah, like I, like I could, like I had to see them both separately and then be like, oh wait, like. That's not the same thing. Don't you forget <laughs> about me. But you will. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, I, I do like the comparison of Tom Hanks. Lieutenant to Dan, Kevin. What do you think, like, what do you think about his role? Famed stage actor Gary Sinise, known for his performances and directing at the Steppenwolf Theater, actually, in Chicago, before he made a big... Um, in in film acting and television acting, I believe, wasn't he on CSI? He was on a cop show for a while. He was yeah, on, he's on CSI, CSI NY. He's on CSI New York. Yeah, uh, but this is obviously Gary Sinise. This is obviously his defining role. I think that's one thing is that obviously we talked about this being Tom Hanks' defining role, but at the same point, there are just so many other ones there in the culture of consciousness that it's worthy of a debate. Uh, just because of the breadth and the scope of this movie, this is obviously Gary Sinise's defining role, which is oh, not to say he's a phenomenal actor. He's mm-hmm. a phenomenal... Like, if I, yep. if I see him in something, be like, oh, that's Lieutenant Dan. Like, I always refer to him as Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, exactly. yeah. No matter what I see him. It, I think it's the story of our cousin who goes up to... Uh, you want to say it because I remember it. I, I remember. He was at a hotel and he was checking in. This is our cousin Nella Ferrara. Our cousin Nella Ferrara, the famous Nella Ferrara. Um, but he uh, goes to... He's checking into a hotel and he sees Gary Sinise. And he's just like giggling to himself. Just like thinking of what he's going to go up and say to him. And he just goes up and like, 
Lieutenant Dan, you got your legs back. <laughs> and Gary Sinise was very bitter about it. <laughs> he was he was not happy about it. Just how I assume, like, and like, understandably, it's a, I feel like it's a common thing. Even I don't get it of like actors that are pissed when they're only known for one role or something like that. I get it. I like. I'm I mean, sure he's used to it by now. Yeah, that's fair, but like, I mean, just accept your role. Like, not everyone. <laughs> not everyone can be as gracious in being a one-hit wonder as Billy Ray Cyrus, who loves playing "Make You Break Your Heart." Like <laughs> yeah, some people exactly. resent it. That's and true. <laughs> so I I totally understand it, especially because like it's not like. To use the Billy Ray Cyrus comparison, Billy Ray Cyrus not a really great, like, critically acclaimed no musician. Whereas Gary Sinise is a phenomenal, phenomenal stage actor and classically trained, a consummate professional, does a great job in also another gigantic show in CSI New York. Mm-hmm. But what does he get all the time? Yeah, no, Lieutenant that's, that's Dan. fair. That's I actually I I, I like that take because I mean he in '92 he directed and produced. Of Mice and Men, while also starring in it, which was uh, Steppenwolf. Um, no, it was on the the film with uh, oh, the film? with John Malkovich. I believe is also oh, in the okay. film. So him and John Malkovich, which I believe is honestly a very is a decently critically appointed. Yeah, it was nominated for the Palme d'Or at the uh, Cannes Film Fe- uh, Festival. So it was like critically acclaimed film. But I, I do get when you're when you spend your life devoted. To like your the craft, craft. <laughs> the craft of acting, like Gary Sinise definitely has, and you only get and you just have people coming up to him and saying Lieutenant Dan, like you know, with like a with like a bad Southern accent all the time. I could see why you could get pissed, you know. Well, it's also just like it's also partly not his fault. That's just such the character was just written so. The character was written to have a lasting impact in that way, Kevin. Like, wasn't he, he was written in a way that he was just like he was going to pop out on the screen. Absolutely. And I think when we talked about how Forrest always stayed true to his world, I think Lieutenant Dan was one of the characters with the biggest character development. You know, he started off as this hardcore lieutenant in the army, and then he turns into this, once he doesn't die in battle like his family, he loses his legs, he turns into an absolute grouch. And then when he turns into a shrimp boat captain, he sticks to his word, he's loyal, and then all of a sudden he becomes a, you know, and then at the end of the movie when he's getting married, he's a happy man at that point, I feel like. He's really one of the truest developed characters out of the movie. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely agree. I think you have, I mean, throughout the film, it pretty much all centers around you have the moral, you have the like light and the darkness in Forest, And then you have Jenny in the beginning and the end. And then in the middle, you have Lieutenant Dan. Who are, I mean, who are these? Jenny and Lieutenant Dan are obviously like, they are in their own ways hurt and abused in their own way and crippled in their own ways. And you have Forrest who, even though he is this like almost opposite of both of them, he still is attracted back to them and trying to help them and trying to get them better and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And he follows the, another kind of hackney cliche thing, which obviously might be hackneyed and cliched after this performance is the cliche take on the disgraced, or not disgraced, but the scorned Vietnam vet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is kind of the archetype of character he is playing, especially in the second half of the film. Um, someone who is given, obviously, everything for this country and seems to have gotten his back turned on by the country. Uh, and then the full arc towards the end where he has his new legs and his wife. Um, but it's interesting because I think that he brings Forrest to one of the lowest points in the film, which is... New Year's Eve 
when they bring the strippers back to, I think it's Lieutenant yeah. Dan's apartment. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's probably one. Besides Jenny leaving Forrest after uh, the night they spend together, that is one of the lowest points in the film right there, I think. Absolutely. And they both, coincidentally, now that I think about those, both uh, are both on New Year's. Oh, and, uh, really? It's the... Cause, yeah, because I remember I just thought about when Forrest and Jenny... Uh, they're watching the fireworks on TV. Or, yeah, I think they're watching something mm-hmm. on TV about news. Yeah. So they are both. I believe that's like a big, like, like common theme of the film is the New Year's celebration. Okay. And then, like, because you have, I don't, it, that, the, what, the, the scene with Lieutenant Dan and Forrest, is that the same New Year's where Jenny is, uh, the, the famous Freebird scene, probably where she's, most famous. Yeah, where she's in on. San Francisco or wherever. Yeah, she's in San Francisco. She's out, she's in California. She's coked out. Yeah, she's coked out. Probably a little bit of hopped on goofballs and grass, as we say. Yeah, exactly. And she and she goes and she steps up on the ledge on the balcony of her hotel. And I mean, the music during that. I mean, I think it ingrained Freebird into many people because that scene is it's pretty iconic. One of the most iconic scenes of the the movie, I would say. And you know, so I think that's sort of a cool little thing that they do because it's like. And being a piece about like different going through the years, it's the constants of like the New Year's to sort of just mark the change, you know. That New Year scene I was yeah. describing also with Lieutenant Dan and the strippers has two of my favorite quotes. Uh, they're kind of on polar opposite ends, and why I love them. The first one is when uh, they're at the bar and they're counting down the ball, and one of the strippers, I, I'm probably gonna like mess up the quote, but to the effect of saying, like, "Isn't that wonderful? New Year's, everyone, it's a fresh start." Everyone deserves a fresh start. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like a poignant moment because Forrest is also very looking at it. The stripper clearly is saying something kind of poignant. Uh, the set, my, my other favorite quote from that scene is on the other opposite end, which is after Lieutenant Dan kicks the strippers out because one of them was like making out Forrest and he didn't like it. Uh, his, <laughs> Forrest like, sorry, I shoved to Lieutenant Dan. She tasted like cigarettes. <laughs> For my money, one of the funniest parts. Of the film. Sweet, innocent forest right there. Sweet, innocent. Yeah, there's another another line from I don't know. It wasn't that exact scene, but it was in that era when uh, Lieutenant Dan and Forrest across the street, and Lieutenant Dan slams the front of one of the taxis and says, "Hey, I'm walking here." <laughs> Iconic. First of all, yeah, he's. Yeah, you just, that's just classic New York line about that. Exactly. Hey, I'm walking it. Even though Lieutenant Dan can't walk. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Lieutenant Dan can't walk, yeah. but he's still walking there. <laughs> he, he, he couldn't still, walk. He got new legs. He did get new legs, which, I mean, great part of the movie. I think that's probably one of the happiest parts of the movie, the Forrest Gump wedding, obviously. Yeah, that wedding. Yeah. Yes, and and see, also like not expecting Lieutenant Dan to come. Like, of yeah, course he's exactly. gonna come. He's your best friend. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's pretty great. I mean, I think low points of the movie, you have, you definitely have the scene with the hookers in the room, and then I think you also have the Bub, uh, Bubba's death scene, which is like Bubba's death is a very very Bubba's dark part. death. I mean, I mean, there's a there's there's a decent amount of death in this movie, like which is like which is like weird because like I look back on it as like. I don't, I don't upbeat, really see happy, it. Go it's, lucky it's, yeah, because it's Forrest Gump. Like Forrest Gump is an upbeat, happy person. When actually, like people just die in Forrest's life, like a lot. Which I mean is like life, but like I mean, it's it's kind of sad. death is just a part of life, according to the movie. But I mean, uh, whose death? Gump. I mean, whose death? 
in the movie, and I'm referencing Bubba, his mom, and Jenny's. You think is the toughest, like to get through. Yeah, I'm. I well, also like this is like uh, what I think uh, I can't remember which one of you just said it, but death is a part of the movie, obviously. Um, the idea that Forrest again, Forrest is this kind of immovable object where he kind of like stays on his straight and narrow. People are making decisions left and right, which are mm-hmm. kind of like affecting their path. People, and then sometimes these decisions aren't made for them, like in the case of the cancer for his mom, or in the case of Bubba getting shot, like these things just ha- are happening around him and it's, you know, what it is again, a metaphor for life where there are certain situations you all find yourself in life because you put yourself in those situations. Mm-hmm. And then there are just certain situations that are, you know, that just are, are thrust upon you, which, you know, life isn't fair, but those things happen, which is, it's interesting tracking for us course through life and watching these things happen. The, to answer your question, which is the toughest to get through. I think that it is probably, um, it's probably his mother's uh, passing, and I would say that this is a weird. I'm going to have to kind of qualify grief, which is always <laughs> definitely a slippery kind of slope. It's not easy, but uh, here we go. So I don't think it's Bubba's scene, just because so much else is happening around it that it's kind of tough to like focus in on the grief solely, and it happens pretty quickly. Um, I don't think it's Robin Wright's death. I don't think it's Jenny's death because there's already so much joy kind of happening around that scene uh, with the wedding, with him finding his son, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but his mo- his mom is the person who really like taught him how. Like we talk, I talked about Forrest not really uh, changing, but uh, growing into himself. I mean, the the man that he becomes is because of his mother uh, and losing his like. He has the straight moral compass, but it definitely does come from his mother. Like that's he's losing a part of his kind of straight and narrow. So that's why I think I think it's uh, losing his mother is the toughest. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think I think Jenny Stans are gonna hate me right now, but I'm I'm going with uh I'm going with Bubba Bubba's death because they they had just like forced Bubba like they just developed a a plan together, start a business, whatever, and then. But the fact that Bubba was the last guy Force finds out there yeah. right before they nuke the whole area. Um, I don't know. I just think in the fact that Bubba has got that horrible injury, died in Forrest's arms, and it was, you know, it was Bubba was his best good friend. And I don't know. I think that, that one just hit more for me, you know, because Bubba was such like a, a moral character. You know, everyone, no one, no one doesn't like Bubba, you know, people, mm. People, you know, you cannot be a fan of Jenny because Jenny kind of treated Forrest a little bit of we spite. We can say it. Dicks, spite, dicks him around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We can say it. Yeah. She definitely, she like, kind of does. Forrest is on Jenny's, uh, like, hook the, the entire time, you know, you know, and yeah. she can do pretty much whatever she wants because yeah. yeah. she's Jenny. And she does. And she, she does. But, I mean, yeah, I think I, 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 I got to side with Kevin on this one. I think I, – I, I agree. I think Bubba, I mean – I think obviously his mom's an easily likable character, but I think you know Bubba Gum is just like, oh no, it's the most like he didn't deserve this. Like he is the most like undeserved and like most like out of. I guess uh, his mom's death's pretty out of nowhere, but I yeah. mean, um, I just think of Bubba, uh, Bubba's death is just sort of like, wow, Bubba's died. He barely got it. He barely got any time in this movie. I mean, and uh, I think 
you know, Robin Wright's character, Jenny, she, she has her time. It's at the end of the movie. It's already the end of the movie, so it's just like, ah, what are you going to do? What's also very underrated in the long movie you brought at this point is the kind of connection we as an audience get with Bubba for not seeing him for that long. He's only on screen for probably 15 minutes most. And you, like you guys said, it, it is heart-wrenching when, when, they, when you lose him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, damn. But, yeah, I think, I don't know, and the fact that Force goes on to live his legacy, to be a shrimpo captain, yeah, I think names, names the whole company after him, Bubblegum Strand, like, yeah. he didn't do that for Jenny. He didn't make Jenny gum shrimp. No, which also which also sounds like a good a good name for a shrimp company, but he but he decided not to. Uh, I'll try and get things on maybe a little bit of a lighter side because we are talking about some of the heavy moments in the movie, and those are obviously it's part of what gives the movie its soul. But also, what gives its soul is the comedy in the movie. Uh, I think that what they do a great job, obviously, is infusing these moments of heavy and light. You know, it's a long movie, so you got a lot of time to chart this kind of course. But it is. I do appreciate the most comedy. One thing I was thinking of when Kevin was doing his initial recap was one of the funniest scenes, which is how Forrest ends up going to a normal public school instead of one for kids with special needs is yeah. essentially his mom sleeps with the principal. Yeah. <laughs> which is just a hilarious scene to look back on. Yeah, no, that is, that is a good scene. That is enjoyable. I mean, yeah, all throughout the film, beginning to end, like... Yeah, this it's a roller coaster of emotions throughout the film. You have uh, when he, obviously the classic scenes of him being like thrown into like the uh, like historical moments, like mm-hmm. when he shows Lyndon. Jo- I think he shows Lyndon Johnson his ass. Like, yeah, it's a funny scene. Yeah, like, when he, after <laughs> exactly in the buttocks, like, sir. In the buttocks. I very much like to see that one day. <laughs> and he drops his pants. Yeah, exactly. Like that's a funny scene as well as just throughout the film. I mean. I think that's, I mean, it really blends all, all, all emotions together. Well, yeah, just in one big messy melting pot. Yeah. And the messy melting pot is me yeah. crying. <laughs> crying. Crying, crying from laughing, laughing, yeah. crying. Yeah, exactly. One big, uh, big crock pot. You know? One big crock pot <laughs> of emotions. Uh, I was also thinking of the running scene. There's a lot of funny moments. Obviously, when he meets the t shirt guy. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, oh my God, dude, you just have shit right there. Yeah. It happens. Speaking of the uh, the running scene, I think I think one of the funnier parts is at least this is just my take, it's uh when he says he pretty much just wraps it up, he says, I'm pretty tired, think I might go home now. <laughs> and that's just it. That's it, all these people come and join him and he just gets too tired and dips. <laughs> another funny scene and another funny part of that specific scene is when he stops. He stops, and the people of running stop behind them, and it's quiet. And the guy who's leading the pack that's following Forrest just says, everyone shut up. He has to say something. And like, no one was talking. Everyone shut up. He got something to say. <laughs> obviously, he's going to say something, and obviously everyone is quiet. <laughs> That would be, I don't know, would that have been better if he just started like walking back, like didn't say anything, you know? Well, then they would just follow him back to Green Bow. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> like, that that like, and they would have fallen asleep, and they're all outside his house in Green Bow. It's just like, wait, is this is this over? <laughs> Why didn't you tell us? <laughs> Give him a little heads up, you know? Yeah. Or the moments when he's uh, when he's running for Arthur Bear Bryant, and, uh, and he like, what's called, he, uh, he goes the wrong way or whatever. There are some funny scenes when he's running for Bear Bryant. Mm-hmm. Oh, Arthur Bear Bryant. I, I forgot that's Arthur Bear Bryant. 
Let me make sure his first name is Arthur, because I might just be confusing it. It may just be Bear Bryant. Well, it's Bear Bryant, but also, like, I might be confusing it with the... Uh, it's Paul Bear Bryant. Paul Bear Bryant. Arthur Bryant is a, fa- is a famous uh, barbecue place in Kansas City. <laughs> Shout out. Sponsor, Arthur Bryant. Arthur Bryant. Some of the best barbecue in the country. Probably the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, you can make that argument. Is the best barbecue in the country the best barbecue in the world? Kevin? Uh, I haven't had it, but I, I'm, I'm assuming... I'm United talking States more as a general the, statement. Is, is there American is barbecue? United States, is United States barbecue not the best barbecue in the world? Like, yes. where else do you get barbecue? Korean? Isn't it Korean? Korean. Oh. But that's like, that's indoor well, We're barbecue. talking American barbecue. I think America's the best oh, Yeah, obviously. Barbecue. Like, okay, if we're talking about outdoor grilling, grilling barbecue, yes, in America is going to have the best barbecue. Yeah, as Kevin so okay. astutely put it, America clearly has the best American barbecue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that's true. I, w- I would concur. But, uh, no, that's true. Arthur Bear Bryant. Nope. Nope. Bear Bryant. Paul <laughs> Bear Bryant. Winner of 15 bowl games. I want to see how many national championships they got. Probably. Seven! Yeah. Seven! Pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Two of the greatest coaches NCAA history, NCAA football history. Same team. Yeah. Except Bear Bryant was all for Alabama, I believe. Uh, yeah, he was. He won. He won mainly with Alabama, whereas Nick Saban obviously won with LSU too. Yeah, Saban's known for LSU and Alabama, which sandwiched in the middle of there is a horrific stint as the coach of the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Uh, let's not let's not let's not forget that. Let's not talk about yeah. yeah the, the less said for, yeah, for for his sake, let's not bring it up. He's probably he's a long time listener. Nick Saban does love our podcast. Fan of the pod, you know. He's, 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 a, he's a massive fan of the pod. Nick, you know, I know recruiting season is tough right now with COVID, but if anyone's going to get it done, you will. I've also got a, a year of eligibility left, Nick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, you have two. Don't you have two? Oh, well, no, because you have to red. You have oh, to. Yeah. oh, oh! I, I, I never redshirted. Yeah, he didn't redshirt. But you can. I think if you apparently what they're doing though is transfers are just allowed to play next year. I think because of COVID. Oh. Yeah, Kevin. You also have two years of um a baseball eligibility left too because you missed your whole spring season. I do actually, yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> Dual sport after, though. exactly. We have a lot of. We have a, this. This podcast is a hot spot for baseball recruiters to listen to. For in general, NCAA recruiters to listen to. Yeah. So, Kevin, we're going to get your name out there. We'll show them some some eighth grade some yeah. some pony league highlights. Oh yeah, I, I ran pony. Yeah, yeah, he did. Kevin and John did run Pony League. I did not run Pony League. Yeah, my my, my no, pride we, we was ran, we ran we ran the B division of Pony League. Yeah, yeah. But my pride was uh, with Bronco. Bronco B. Bronco. I I I, is, I will stand by it. I ran Bronco B. I started I started as a pitcher <laughs> in the All Star game. In the All Star game, you the, know the Verlander slot, the Kershaw. I, I was yeah, given the Kershaw was, slot of sixth grade B Bronco baseball. People forget I was at the Bronco A All Star game. Kevin, Kevin made the All Stars of Bronco A. Was Michael ever an A Team All Star? Yeah, he was an A Team bench warmer, probably. (laughs) (laughs) He was was not an A Team All Star like me. Wow. No, I, 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 I decided that it was best for my talents to stay in the B League that sixth grade year. Run it. 
you know, I, I got I had my all star bid in fifth grade with the B League, so I was just like, you know what, I got a good thing going. Good thing. Try exactly. to win the ship, to not win the ship. It'd be very unprecedented for a fifth grade all star to not be a sixth grade all star. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bronco B. But a uh, shout out to Lou Malnati's Pizza and Ducksley Tires for keep sponsoring on rolling. me. You know, Ducksley Tires keep on rolling. Though not the I'm shout out, sure. shout out Herbert Post. <laughs> Though not the, not the only one in our family to ever win the ship, Luke Fox. Luke Fox, our younger brother, won this his sixth grade B League uh, Bronco uh, World Series. World Series. And can we also talk about how he anchored that team? He did anchor that team. He was like, he was pull, he was the essential. He essentially pulled a Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Hey, I. I, I I still blame it on uh, in the sixth inning of my uh, the semifinals in my sixth grade year. Kid kid gave up like seven runs in an inning, and oh. I, I I don't think I've ever. Pitched. Is he listening? Can we name? I him? don't know. I don't know. But I I will say I I, I pitched two innings that game. My shout other buddy, out. shout out Nate Denberg. If you if you're listening, <laughs> Nate Denberg. People don't forget. <laughs> you, you, no no, he pitched two good innings, and then a fifth grader we had come in close and. He sadly lost. Oh, the yeah. Wow. yeah, no, no. He, I think, I think he ended up like. I, I almost got kicked out of that game. Fun fact. For doing what? I, I started arguing with the umps, and oh. you don't do that back in fifth grade. You, can, you get like two words grade. in, and then yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I really regret saying what I said. I'm sorry if that ump is listening. <laughs> you remember? I, it, it was, it was just bad. I don't even want to say what I said. Like, and, um, well, it was, it was just like I, I just went up to him after the game, or no, during the game, and I go like, "Hey, however much they're paying you, I, I got money." And he said, "You say another thing to me, you're out of this game." That is such a lame thing for you yeah, to say. No, I mean, so not bad. as lame when you're in fifth grade, sixth grade. Oh, sixth grade! I thought it was so cool. Like I thought it was the sickest thing I could have said. You can't swear at the ump. I'm not trying to get kicked out, you know. No. But that was my that was my closest thing to getting kicked out until CYO basketball. Hmm. Kevin yeah. and I, Kevin and I anchored some great CYO basketball teams. And wait, wait, wait. What, what was this story? You almost kind of kicked out of CYO. Do you remember when we were on the bench? Okay, so our last, so last story of our, of our, of our prime, But we were all—I don't know if you may have been in the game, but we were on the bench, and uh, somebody said something to the ref, and the ref came out to us like, "If you say any other things, the entire bench is gone." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And and uh, so yeah, I remember that. I, I, I believe that was uh, Michael Bradley said something to him. And yeah, that was the senior year when we were at the old PH gym. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We were not the rest favorites because we were not good, yet we liked to argue. <laughs> I believe I was on the bench for that mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, favorite it was Bradley. Scenes? Favorite scenes. Favorite right. scenes? Reel it back in. Um, I'll go first. We'll go first because he sort of sprung us on us in our middle thing. Okay. I'll go second. Kev, you want to round us out? Yeah, I'll, I'll close this out. I'll, I'll pull Mariana Rivera. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm going first, and I don't even think I know what my favorite scene is. Um, If I have to choose what my favorite scene is, I have to go with... Johnny, you have a favorite scene of mine? Um, I... while, we're, while we're tossing this back and forth, it's giving us more time to think of a favorite scene. Yeah. I think I think uh, I think an easy one to say favorite scene, but like one I'll go for. I think I love the ping pong montage. Mm-hmm. I really do love the yeah. ping pong montage. I think it's, it's one of, and I think it also like 
it's got a little bit of like heart and a little bit of soul in it when we're like they're dealing this i guess this also bleeds into them talking about like them at the va hospital and stuff like that will force getting fixed and while yeah. lieutenant dan's getting fixed and stuff like that shows some of the darkness of lieutenant dan goes back into the levity with him uh taking up ping pong and also just like the perfect kind of quote ping pong kind of just makes sense to him which obviously that's it's a very logical thing like you talk about Obviously, this movie is definitely very fantastical mm-hmm. in, like, in terms of like the things that happen to Forrest. But in terms of things that you could honestly see happening, uh, whether it's like out of like him becoming a war hero, all-American, like basically going on the Dick Cavett show, mm-hmm. uh, change it, like what's it called, making up shrimp company, whatever. All the things that make sense, him being good at ping pong makes sense. Just makes sense to him. Because it's a simple game. Mm-hmm. Simple game for a simple man. Simple game for a simple man. That, I think that's my favorite scene. Yeah, that's obviously a classic. I mean, ping pong, one thing that many people have taken from that movie. Great parts. Um, personally, Great, greatest ping pong movie of all time? Oh, let me see. Oh, what's that one ping Balls pong Balls of Fury. Movie? Balls of Fury. Got, I feel like Balls of Fury's got to be up there. Starring Christopher Walken. It is starting. Wow. Christopher Walken, uh, I believe Tom Lennon's also in the movie. I'm trying to think of who else is starring in the movie. Balls is that Josh Gad? I thought it was. No, it's Dan Fogler. George Lopez. George Lopez. Um, James Hong. Icon. Uh, as from the famous uh, Seinfeld, Seinfeld episode. Famous, famous, uh, yes. The Chinese restaurant. You have uh, Terry Crews. Shout out Terry, Terry. Crews. Is now. Tom Lennon in the Shout movie? out Terry, long time listener. <laughs> Tom Lennon is in the movie. Yeah, shout out Reno 911. Yeah, Tom Lennon as well. Oh my god, Reno 911 is episode 35 on the podcast. (laughs) Oh, that is, yeah, that's a good episode. We're gonna have to start planting our guests with what we actually want to talk about. (laughs) We have to, like, no, don't you want to talk about forgetting Sarah Marshall? Wouldn't it be like (laughs) hilarious if we talked about this? (laughs) Like, this would be great. Um, But uh, okay, now that I got enough time stalling, exactly, I will say. My favorite scene in the movie, it's a little scene. I, I was decided between two. My first scene was just going to be like the, the John Lennon, like Dick Cavett. Uh, no religion. Yeah. Like that's just like fun. I, th- I just think throughout the movie, the use of implanting forest in like the famous mm-hmm. television scenes is hilarious. Classic gag. But uh, I think my favorite scene is like after the Hurricane Carmen happens. Yes. And you have like the, yep. you have the guy, you have the uh, the television oh. recorder just on, and then you just like see it's just one boat, and you just see like Forrest just like, <laughs> <and then, laughs> just like oh, this guy, like, like what a goof, like exactly, he made it. And then you have the whole shrimp montage; they make it big. But I, I, I just really like that scene and the whole the thing before it, where they're like, we have Lieutenant Dan screaming at God, Lieutenant Dan's battle with God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then after that, I just think that's that's probably. My Lieutenant Dan, he was mad. Come on! You call this a storm? Oh, you son of a bitch! Oh! It's time for a showdown! You and me! I'm right here! Come and get me! Carmen came through here yesterday, destroying nearly everything in its path. 
and is in other towns up and down the coast, Biola Battery's entire shrimping industry has fallen victim to Carmen and has been left in utter ruin. Speaking with local officials, this reporter has learned, in fact, only one shrimping boat actually survived the storm. Louise! Louise, that's forced. After that, shrimping was easy. One of the greatest battles with God up there with Vince McMahon tag teaming against God. Oh, yes. It was World Wrestling Entertainment. Was that on a Raw episode? No, I think it was SmackDown. I was like, oh, SmackDown. Yes, the famous <laughs> versus God wrestling yes, Vince McMahon wrestled God. And I believe he won. I think he won. I think he won. One with a schoolboy roll up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that is hilarious. I forgot about the like, just forest wave in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kevin. Round us out, Mara. So, so mine, mine's a little similar to that, like forced waving on the news. It's uh, during his time at Alabama when the governor starts to integrate the schools, and uh, they have the first black girl walking into the school, and she, uh, she on her way in, there's a whole crowd around the news press and all these students, and this young lady, she drops her textbook, and then Forrest jumps into the middle of this whole big scene and says, "Excuse me, ma'am, you dropped your book," and. Uh, so he's on all he's on national news at this point, and he picks up her book, gives it to her, and then he just he's in the middle of the crowd. And he just stands up, waves, and walks in the building. <laughs> no, he innocent, simple man, classic innocent forest, like not knowing what's going on, and then just like being himself. You know, I, I really like. I forgot exactly. about that scene a little bit. I'll be honest. Me too. The scene before where he's trying to figure out what's going on. He's like, "Hey, what's going on?" And the guy like. Well, the in the crowd is like, I'm the letting coons in or whatever. And then Forrest is just like, oh, we got tons of coons back home, you know, all up and down the uh, up and down the gutters and stuff like that. You know, that's why he only can get trash out on trash days. Like, 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 that. like raccoons? Yeah, like raccoons. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, like raccoons, yeah. That's yeah, exactly. what he says. I, this, I, this brings up a question of mine. I guess since that's Kevin sort of answered with that, but like, what's your favorite, like, either like the president scene with the president or like scene with like a famous person like or, moment like, in history like yeah that, that they show on Forrest Gump um I like when he's with the I like when he's at the Abby Hoffman speech at the Washington Monument oh okay when like the the things actually get like unplugged and stuff like that yeah um <laughs> I think that's funny just cause he's like well this is what I had to say about Vietnam everything gets unplugged and stuff like that so mm-hmm. then like you can't hear it and then it plugs back in Classic Forrest quote. And that's all I have to say about <laughs> Vietnam. And the guy gets and up. And just like, really touches stuff. Man. <laughs> yeah. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. No, that's a classic scene. I like that one. Obviously, we talked about the Watergate. That one's hilarious. Watergate's hilarious. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I mean, the Star Wars. Do. Or uh, Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Dr. Pepper. And then, uh, obviously, the Elvis one is classic as well. Elvis is classic also. But I mean, yeah, it's just I, I love all those little scenes throughout it. Really make the movie throw you in the time era. Really, really do a good job of it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And wow, haven't gone over this for quite some time. We obviously long movie, but we could go uh, over it for even longer. Looking at the run that kind of Tom Hanks is on here in the '90s, A League of Their Own, Sleepless in Seattle, Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, Toy Story, six straight movies. Dang. That's a bangers. All all bangers. Then you look at the uh, not immediately next, but then Saving Private Ryan, you've got Mail, Toy Story 2, The Green Mile, Castaway. Castaway. What? Mm -hmm. 
Catch Me If You Can, uh, The Polar Express. Say what you will about that, but anyway, <laughs> we'll stop it there because um, then he starts into Da Vinci Code and that starts oh. to get like kind okay. of up and down. Are you really gonna? What, what's your opinion on Da Vinci Code? I mean, I haven't seen it all the way through, but I just don't think it's that great a movie. Oh, I love the Da Vinci Code. You've seen it? Never seen it. I've seen all the Da Vinci Have Code. Have you seen Angels and Demon? Not as good a movie. But <laughs> shout out Ewan McGregor, one of my favorite actors of all time. Love, love anything with Ewan McGregor, I'm a sucker for it. So you know, he will play Obi Wan Kenobi again, confirmed. Yes, exactly. He will be coming back playing the the Wait, famous what? character on um, the uh, the Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, New show. They're making a spin-off for him. They're making a They're spin-off making a spin-off show. Ewan McGregor will be in it. He's he will star as That's young? Disney Plus. It's like a, a, like a four-episode miniseries. It's... Ewan McGregor is going to be playing Obi-Wan between it... episodes three and four. Exactly. So between, between three, three and four. Oh, okay. So that makes sense because yeah. he's older. Yeah, exactly. That, it wouldn't really make yeah. sense to play a prequel because first off, how would you get a younger Liam Neeson and Obi-Wan Kenobi? But or, and Ewan McGregor, but oh boy, would I watch that CGI? Or if they, what if what if they pre-recorded it and they just have it in the vault somewhere? Disney they thought of everything. Do your worst. Do your worst. <laughs> I dare you. Uh, let's see what Ewan McGregor looks like right now. Oh, he he's Ewan McGregor. He looks pretty much the same. I mean, that movie was what like two thousand six. The final one, I believe. Yeah, it was. It was when we were in we were in first grade when episode three came out. Yeah, I, I believe. So he's you're not right. like he doesn't look that much different. No, he doesn't. He was just in the Birds of Prey movie with uh, Margot Robbie. He, I just, I didn't watch it, but I saw the trailers. He looked, he looked Ewan McGregor. He looks. If so you guys, if you guys ever do a, uh, a Star Wars episode, you gotta phone me in for that. Phone you in. He'll definitely get a guest appearance. We'll call you in for something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, just, just even if it's just like a ten minute thing, I wanna. I'm always down to discuss some wars. All right. Well, now that it's uh, now that it's on the podcast, it is canon, and we yeah. must call you when we. And do if there's Wars. one thing us Star Wars fans enjoy, it's canon. It's <laughs> canon, exactly. It's, canon. it's what is and what isn't canon. Wow, Ewan McGregor, he looks really different without the beard. Yeah, yeah, obviously. I mean, yeah, he's still does. a handsome guy. Still, he's a beautiful man. Dashing. Tim, he's Tim Robbins in the uh, Pooh movie, Winnie the Pooh movie. Maybe one Christopher of, Robin or Christopher. Who's Tim Robbins? He's Tim Robbins is the guy in Bolt Durham. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, Tim Robinson. He's the guy from uh, I Think You Should Leave. No, not Tim Robinson. Oh, Tim, Tim Robbins. But Tim Robinson, I Think You Should uh, Leave. Uh, Tim Robbins Tim, is the guy in Bolt Durham. And, uh, I'm trying to think of what other movies he's in. Oh, he's in, that, Durham, new, he's in that new DuPont movie. You know, with, uh, oh, I know who you're talking about. I know who you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, he's... Uh, why is that the only movie? He's in the Shawshank. He's he's in Shawshank. He's in Andy Dufresne. He's in Andy Dufresne. Wow! Everything comes back to the year nineteen ninety four. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> Tim Robbins, but I mean, yeah, I mean, back to Tom Hanks's run, actor of the nineties. You have, I mean, you have to say from ninety two to two thousand. Can do no wrong. He beyond that, like, I think he's still the man. Yeah, he's oh, you can't deny what he's done after that either. Like, there's no way around it. But well, okay, sorry, Devil's Advocate. Let's look at the past ten years. Oh, okay. Oh, Cloud oh, Atlas, Sully. Larry Crown. Okay. Uh, Mr. Mr. Rogers Banks. Hey, saving Mr. Banks. I'm pretty sure was, it was okay. Good. It was okay. I watched it on a flight. It was fine. <laughs> Um, I mean, he's just got sprinkled goodish roles. Like, so yeah, that's good fair. role. Captain Phillips, good role. Toy Story he's Mr. He's Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. Mr. Rogers. I haven't I seen heard, it I heard A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood was good. I've heard it was good. That's, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Me but either. I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he was it. great. I'm assuming he was great. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to not see it and assume he was phenomenal. Yeah, no, I like that better. <laughs> 
But uh, uh, no, you're right. I mean, since 2010s, he's definitely had some slow definitely We like, can call it a slowdown. I mean, yeah, but how can you keep from his 92 to 2000? How can you keep the haymakers? You can't. You can't do. I mean, League of the, like you said, from League of Their Own to Cast Away. I, I I think the only movie I haven't seen is that thing you do. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what that one is like. Uh, it's it's um, Tom Hanks' directorial debut, though, so that's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. But that, I just, that thing I, he I, did I, is I directing. Cool. But I mean, literally, you just can't find Seattle, Philadelphia, Gump, like you said, yeah. all the way, all the way to Toy Story Two, Green Mile, Castaway. Like, wow, that is that is that is something else. That is, you know, that's that's up there with Farrell's two thousands run. You know. If not better. And oh, oh yeah. Well, we've already discussed the Barrel 2000 run, so we'll not go into it again, Kevin. But it is legendary, and isn't the most beautiful. Oh, I, I listen. I listen. To yeah, Kevin's a listener. Kevin yes. is a listener. I'm a long, yeah. long-time listener. Yeah. First-time guest. We get excited yeah. for our new podcast and new content rolling out. So <laughs> like, share, subscribe. Uh, tell your friends. Um, and isn't the most beautiful thing that Tom Hanks did is made a movie that got us all together talking. Wow. Wow. Right? Everything comes wow. full circle. Everything comes full circle. 1994. 1994. <laughs> Kevin, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Hey, awesome. I want to thank you for having me. Uh, anytime, Kevin. This is just such an easy thing to talk about. Just because, I mean, we love choosing topics that are easy to talk about, and this is one we could go on for hours and hours about. It's just a beautiful movie, fun. Like I said, it's that old, cozy sweater, you know? It just exactly. feels nice Absolutely. when you put it on. It feels a nice. Mr. Rogers, a Mr. Rogers sweater. It is a nice is. Mr. Rogers sweater. Couldn't have put it better myself. John, thanks as always for your work on the pod. Yeah, I mean, it's the runtime of Forrest Gump, two hours, 22 minutes. But in those two hours and 22 minutes, hours and hours of content. And decades. Decades. Decades of content. Decades. Decades. Decades of content. Uh, as, I, as, I, as I always say, always a pleasure to be on this podcast. I don't know. Exactly. Always enjoyable. And there might be one podcast that really tears us apart, in which case it won't be a pleasure. But <laughs> I, I don't want. I never want to see that day come. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a. Uh, what what, what would be a divisive what topic? Be, uh, what do you love that guns. I hate? <laughs> guns. <laughs> our, our guns. <laughs> we go from talking about Forrest Gump to, today on the podcast. We're talking about guns. <laughs> and our guest, no, we have no guests. It is John and I yelling into the microphone for 30 minutes for two hours about guns. <laughs> Gun fever, too. Still hot. Uh, for Kevin and John, this is Will signing off. Are you reeling in the east? Stowing away the time Are you gathering up the tease? Have you had enough of mine? Are you reeling in the east? Stowing away the time Are you gathering up the tease? Have you had enough of time I've known you, I still don't know what you mean. The weekend at the college didn't turn out like you planned. The things that pass for knowledge I can't